Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, who is just up here. And all of our staff and pastors are so glad that you're with us, especially here with us for the very first time. Hey, we always have guests that come every weekend at every one of our services. And so I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. My hope would be that you would come back and this week could be, we call it spiritual family. That's really our hope. So if you're watching online, do me a favor, uh, like, comment, share, leave a review. Hey, do uh, something in the chat, you know, that lets us know that you're there, helps us get through some of those algorithms to get the message of Jesus out. We're wrapping up a series today called The Art of Being Blessable. And um, we, we talked about it because, you know, this year, uh, we, we all kind of start the new year off, like, hey, what are we going to do differently that we can do better than last year? No, I never met anybody that said, my new year's resolution is to do worse than I did last year. And so what we all do is we look at our life and we go, hey, we want to make some adjustments and some changes. And I know spiritually as a pastor, uh, we have a lot of people who talk to me about, like, we want to get blessed by God. We would love to see the blessings of God in our life. And I've just noticed um, the blessings of God are not a science. They're more of an art. And that you and I would love to really put God in a box and make sure that if we push one button and then we did this prayer button and then the faith button and then the give button and the serve button, and then out comes the vending machine of God, all his blessings. He doesn't work like that. And if you have ever prayed for God and didn't answer a prayer? Anybody in here? Anybody had that? Like where he didn't answer a prayer that you'd recently prayed today on the way to church and you asked your kids to get saved on the way to church because you just, you, there's no hope for them. Anybody ever just look at your kids and just like, but Jesus, if Jesus, you, you're lucky because Jesus is the only thing that can reach you. And so um, we, we talked about the idea of that, that there are some positions, there's some disciplines, characteristics. There's some ways that you and I can live our life. That, that, that really could help us, um, I believe, position ourselves to be what we call blessable. And, and, and that's what we're talking about this week. So week one, we talked about uh, this idea of honor and how honor was a lost art in our, in our culture, that, that really there's an ability that, that, that you, can, you can actually position yourself in the blessings of God, just learning how to be honorable. And if there's a, a, maybe the overarching thought that I had for that week was um, honor has nothing to do with the other person. Right. has everything to do with who you are. Yeah. And um, never give anybody... Uh, the permission to change who you are based on what they've done. You be you. God's already called you to be great and Christian and and follow him. Um, Whatever somebody does to you does not control what you you are and who you can be. And so week two, we talked about, um, so we went from honor and then we went to a, a kind of another hard one, which was obedience and that God really does smile on people who are obedient to his word. That when they, when God speaks, he doesn't mumble and he doesn't stutter and he doesn't say it by accident. He says it on purpose. And then if God asks you to do something, whether it's to love someone or to serve someone or to give to someone or to be a blessing or generous to someone, just do it. Like, like he, Nike didn't invent that. God did. Like just, just do it. And then last week we talked about about generosity, that there's this an idea that you and I should live with a generous spirit. And it's not just with our money, it's with our time and our relationships and our people skills. And we need to learn how to be a generous people. We need to learn how to learn. We have we should above anybody in any category of people in the world, Christians should be the most generous because we represent the most generous. That's just how it works. And so this week we're gonna talk about the final one, which I is probably my favorite. Because I think this is the key here. This is the key. If you ever talk to anybody who has been blessed in their life, anybody who's been successful in their life, anybody who has actually has something and keeps it for a long period of time, you need to master this ability, this characteristic, and it's called integrity. Everybody say integrity. And we're going to talk about today. Nobody really talks about it. We think we know what it means, but we're going to deep dive into that when it comes to the Bible. So let's look at it. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 is where we're going to be. Daniel chapter 3. If you don't know where Daniel is, Daniel is in the Old Testament. So you have your Bible is broken up into two main parts. 
parts, the Old Testament, the New Testament. The Old Testament, there's a book called Daniel. It's a fascinating book. Um, really, it's a historical book on really what, like, you know, something that happens to several characters in the Bible. But there's a, <clears throat> and probably one of the most amazing stories that you can ever read in all of literature is found in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. And it's going to be an interesting story because it's really a story of integrity. It's really a story of saying, what happens? Because you got to ask yourself this question. What happens when who you say you are is, comes into question? When you're threatened, when you're given ultimatums, when you're faced with literally life and death, and, and your integrity comes into question, who are, what kind of a person are you? And we're going to find out uh, with a character that, 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 that some, actually multiple characters that we find in Daniel chapter 3. And we're just going to read it. And so I'm going to read it in a little unique way. I'm gonna, it's a big, long story, so I'm going to kind of Bible study with you today, if that's okay. We're going to have a little Bible study with Pastor Aaron. And we're going to Bible study a little bit, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chunk it up into certain areas so that we can kind of um, get through it for uh, the sake of our time today. So just follow me if you can. Uh, you follow it along on the screens. And, but if you're reading it from your Bible, you'll notice I'm going to jump. I'm going to skip ahead on a couple of things because we're, we got time issues. So uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse one it says king nebuchadnezzar that's an interesting name that's just fascinating but anyway well i could talk a lot about that but uh, made an image of gold and whose height was 60 cubits and his breadth was six cubits and he set it up on a plain of dura in the province of babylon by the way kings are not the only ones who set up false gods to worship christians do it too so i before we get in like king nebuchadnezzar's bad and evil and like for shame, just so you know, anything you worship and celebrate and create in your life that's bigger and more important than God himself is therefore a false God will always fail you. Verse five. All right, we'll get into verse five. It says that when you hear the sound and so he's, he sets up this idol, right? He's like, okay, look, you have some Hebrew people who are in the midst of these Babylonian people, and he's like, you're going to start, you're going to start to worship this false god, even though you've been worshiping the the, the true one god, Yeshua, you're going to worship a different god now. He says, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, he basically lists a bunch of instruments. When Spotify hits play, (laughs) you are going to fall down and worship the golden image the king Nebuchadnezzar set up. Verse 6, and he says, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be cast in the burning fiery furnace. Now you and I have been given an ultimatum. Imagine yourself in a culture. I mean, you don't have to really. I mean, like, this is not now. But just imagine yourself. You're in a culture where there, where there is false God that's been propped up that you are now to worship instead of the one true God. And if you don't do that, it's very, very public. It's not private. And if you don't do it, you're, you're faced with death. Verse 15 says, but if you do not worship, he says, you may be immediately cast into this burning fiery furnace. And who is, I like what Nebuchadnezzar says, he asks this question, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Where is he at? Show me. He ain't even real. You say you're a Christian on Facebook. We're going to find out right now. He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, O king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God who we serve, we able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Like, that's powerful faith right there. Like, he's saying, look, if you don't, we're never going to do what you asked us to do, and that furnace, this is, this is step one of faith, right? 
when you're a Christian. And that furnace that you threatened me with, that's not even going to happen because God's big enough. So I'm like, I'm already impressed. I'm like, man, that's powerful. I wish one day that I could have faith like that. Anybody else? You know, like, man, I want faith like that. That's powerful. But then it doesn't stop. He says, but if not, let me be clear to you, O king, that we will still not serve your gods or worship the golden image of the, that you have set up. So he's, that's level like eight faith now, right? We went from one to eight because it's one thing to say, I believe and I'm not going to serve a God who you say I should serve because I believe that God's going to deliver me from this evil that you're, you're calling me into. Um, and then he said, they said, but then they go, but just so you know, let's just say God has bigger plans for me. And he, he just look for some reason he allows that to happen. It's still not going to happen. Like, that's a big deal, right? It's like, my faith is real. And then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, got mad, and the expression of his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You've all seen that before. When somebody got mad at you, their face expression changed. You know, your mom got mad at you. Your husband got mad at you. Your wife got, come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about. So, all right. And then he, he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times more than it usually was heated. That's silly to me because it's like a fire is a fire is a fire at some point, right? Like if I get thrown into a, a fire furnace, if I get thrown into a furnace at low, I'm probably going to die. Even if it was heated up. This is stuff that I just think about. I told you Bible study with me. But verse 21 says, then these men were bound in their cloaks and their tunics and their hats. And they looked, they wrapped them up, threw them in. Verse 23, and these three men fell bound in the fiery furnace in 24 he says as the king has a moment where he's looking at this fire he goes i got justice he looks at it he's like but wait what, hold on i said did we he looks at his boys he's like did we just cast those guys in the fire the three of them they said yep true okay true that and he answered he said but wait i see four so we threw in three now i see four and they're not bound they're not they're not on the ground. They're actually walking in the midst of the very thing that they were supposed to be, be hurt by. And he goes, he says the, the painfully obvious, they're not hurt. Then yeah. he highlights something interesting. He says, and then the fourth appears like son of the gods. What just, what just happened? I mean, you got to imagine seeing this for the first time. In verse 26, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. I like this. He said, the hair of their heads were not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. I like this. I li this is so good to me. This is the Bible to me. And they didn't even smell like it. You ever been around a campfire before? Ever been around like a fire? Like you get around a fire or anything like that, you can't help but smell like it. Just being around it. So they were in it and they came out and the Bible says, God's so good. He protected them so well. They didn't even smell like what they went through. Like they didn't even smell like it. I just like, that's kind of cool. It's like, I'm like, that's, that's the God I serve. He's more than enough. Uh, today, I'm going to talk to you about maybe the most, this is one of the most powerful moments of integrity. We're going to read about that today. So let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, thank you that uh, we're here. And you have a word to say to us about our integrity. And I pray that, God, I would get out of the way. And that, God, you would speak. And that you would do something with the notes and the words that I've created transform the hearts of the people. Holy Spirit, you speak now. You come. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.
My little son, Judah, I have a, a seven-year-old. Is he six, seven? Six or seven? seven. How old is he, babe? Seven. He's seven years old. I have five, so just take it easy. And so, uh, but he, he, uh, he, he's seven. He came to me the other day, and he goes, um, hey, Dad, I had a bad dream. I said, what happened? He goes, and he's hugging me, you know. And, and when you're a dad and your son comes up to you and hugs you, you and your kid, y'all know I'm talking, come on, parents. You know, it's like when they're, they're sad, they're like, I'm like, oh, son, come here, come here. <laughs> come here, you know, <laughs> okay. And, uh, and he, he said, he said, I said, what was your bad dream? He said, um, uh, I, I dreamt that you gave me away. He said, I dreamt you gave me away. Like you, you, you gave me to like, you gave me away. And I was like, I gave you away. I said, why would I ever do that, son? And he goes, I don't know, but it was so real. And I said, well, I said, well, I, don't, I won't give you away today. You'll see about tomorrow. I won't give you away. I said, it's okay. He goes, he goes, you'll never give me away. I said, I'll never give you away. I said, not for all the money in the world. He said, okay. So then um, the other day I was in the car with my sons. We were all driving. And me and my wife were talking. And you, know, you ever drive with your kids and they just like, I don't know. They're just annoying. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody else just, can I get a parent in here to raise your hand that you just believe that your kids are annoying sometimes? Okay, good. I just want to feel alone. And so um, if you're like, some of y'all are like, this guy's not even a good dad. Like, it's probably true. So like, I'm trying. We're all in a journey. You know, anytime you do something bad as a Christian, you know, the best thing to say is we're all on a journey. You know, that barely makes up for everything. So he, he says, uh, he's, you know, my, we're talking and the kids are just being annoying. And I look back and Judah is literally bouncing, like in the chair. He's bouncing on the chair. He's bouncing, annoying his brothers, and I said, and I just, something got in my head, okay? So I just started saying something. So I do stuff like this, and this is probably not, look, I'm not saying to do this, because this is, you know, you should be a good parent. And so, um, but I got in my head, so I said, hey, Judah, Judah! And he said, yes, Daddy. I said, all right, so listen, I just wanted to give you a heads up. We're, uh, he goes, he go, I said, I just want you to know where we're going. He goes, where are we going? I said, well, we're going to go drop, we're going to drop you off right now. He goes, drop me off. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, let me tell you a story. So I told him this like fictitious story about how like when he was a little baby, he got dropped off by the circus at our house. You know what I'm saying? And so he's like, I'm like, so the circus stopped by our house and my wife's in the car and she's like looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, no, so like, son, like, here's the deal. Like, we got you from the circus and, and they said we could have you for exactly seven years. Today's the day we got to give you back. So I just want you to know I love you. And I've had such a great time with you, son. And my sons, all of my sons now are listening. They're going like, if this is going to happen to Judah, could this happen to us? You know, like they're trying to figure out, like, I'm pretty sure I know. I was, I'm a little kid. I was around. And I said, it's not a big deal, son. Like, we can still see you from time to time, but we have to give you back to the circus. And he goes, I'm not from the circus. I said, you're bouncing all over the place. You are clearly from the circus. And he goes, I go, so, but we're going to give you back. But it's all good. We'll write to each other. We'll hang out. I'll send you pictures. It'll be all good. And he goes, uh, he goes, and he kind of sits there like this. I'll never forget his face. He kind of sits there. And I'm looking. We're at a stoplight. I'm looking, and I'm looking in that rearview mirror that we got. And he's looking like this. And he looks at Talon, and he's, like, looking at his brothers. And he's, like, trying to, like, figure, like, is this real? And he goes, he goes, Daddy? And I said, yes, son. And he goes, he goes, we don't lie in this family, Dad. <laughs> he said, we don't lie. He goes, and you, cause he, I said, I'm not lying. I'm telling you, I, this is the story. He goes, no, because remember, you told me you would never give me away. <laughs> he said, you'd never give me away. He says, you have to be, and this is what he said, you're a man of your word. You'd never give me away. And I remember thinking... Um, 
And I was like, oh, man. So then I had to be like, oh, I was just, you know, I was just kidding. And, um, but, you know, my son in that moment really kind of grasped the, the moment of he, what he did was he's, because I'm always trying to teach my kids, like, be a man of your word. If you say something, do it. We don't lie in this family type thing. You know, be, 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 um, have some character. I mean, golly, what a lost thing today. Have some character. Why don't you do? I talk to business owners all the time, and I'm like, hey, if you just do 50% of what you said you were going to do in your business, you'll be better than 99% of the companies out there. Come on, somebody who's had something done in their house recently from an organization. And, and it's such a lost art. And, and in that moment, my son was reminding me, no, no, dad, we're, we're integrity, integrity. It's a silly illustration, but that's, it's an important thing. And I don't think, I can't think of a better, you know, story in the Bible that illustrates integrity, which is simply the, the, the summary of this story is integrity gave them a moment of blessing with Jesus. We would have never read about this story if they didn't stand and, and if they weren't who they were, who they said they were, when push came to shove, they were the person that they said they were. Integrity. They had a moment. In fact, that integrity moment gave them ability to actually be connected with Jesus. Most scholars believe this is that fourth person walking around is what they call theophany in the Bible. So I'm just giving you a little Bible knowledge if you don't know anything about it. But like theophany was like a reemergence or appearance or a foreshadowing or a preemergence of, of God. So there's, there's literally this moment of, of Jesus walking in the fire with them before Jesus had come onto the scene because they were men of integrity. What is integrity? Integrity simply is this, the state of being complete or whole. It comes from the root word integer, which means to a whole number. An integer in math is a whole number. So it really, integrity for you and I, is the ability for us to have, is to have personal wholeness. There's no gaps between what you say and what you do. And what you say and who you are. That what, what you say matters and what you do matters just as much because there's no gaps between it. You're a whole person. And, and that for you and I, we think this is a carnal thing. This is a spiritual thing. This, this mattered a lot to Jesus on the earth. He... He was harder on those who he called hypocrites more than he was harder on tax collectors and prostitutes. You realize this? I'll show you one, one example. It's a great story found in Matthew chapter 23, and it says this, verse 27, What sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees? And he calls them hypocrites. It says, For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, filled with the, but on the inside you're filled with dead bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly you look like righteous people. Come on, if he's not speaking to the majority of the Christian world right now, including me, including you, how often we look really good on the outside. And on the inside, we're no different than those without hope. Because inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy, lawlessness. He says, you're hypocrites. That word hypocrite in the Greek was hypocrites. It was a, it was a, a, a word that described actors and plays. So they knew what he was talking about. She had that at that time. They, would, they pretended to be something that they weren't. 
And integrity is when your behavior, come on, this is important, when your behavior matches your beliefs. The truth is you're going to be challenged by this. You will be challenged in your integrity in your marriage. Are you going to do what you said you're going to do? You're going to be challenged with your integrity with your kids. I just told you mine. Are you going to be the father or the mother that you say you are? You're going to follow Christ's example. You'll be challenged in your business. Some of you business owners know it's easy to cut corners. It's easy to treat people wrong. It's easy to do something wrong to make a buck. Your integrity is going to be challenged. It's going to be challenged. Your integrity is going to be challenged with your neighbor and the people you don't like. Your integrity is going to be challenged when you're in that drive through line that took way too long. Yeah. It's going to be challenged in your church. It's your integrity. Your integrity. It's going to be challenged in your workplace, in your, your school. The question you have to ask yourself is, is what's your integrity worth? We, we don't have a blessing problem in our church in our world, and our people. We have an integrity problem. God blesses those with, with integrity. He shows up with those with integrity. Are you going to be who he said you're going to be? This is so important. And this, is, this is really important because so often integrity is the thing that allows you to keep the thing that God actually gave you. I'm not impressed with talent much more anymore. You know, There's people, really talented people in this world. I mean, I'm telling you, there are, y'all are, there's a lot of y'all incredibly gifted incredibly talented um, but I'm just not impressed with that anymore because you just see so much of it because you can have talent that gets you all this stuff but then you move if you have no integrity you lose it and just as quick as you got it there's a um, uh, there's a great story about the, the Great Wall of China I'll read it for you this is in ancient China ancient China the people wanted security against the barbaric hordes of the north so they built a Great Wall of China it was so highly so high they believed that no one would ever climb it it's so thick, no one ever would break it down. To this day, it's never been conquered from the outside. During the first 500 years of the wall's existence, China was invaded three times. Not once did the hordes break down the wall or climb over it. Each time, they bribed the gatekeeper, and they got through. So that God just gave them a place. They were given a kingdom. And the only thing that kept them from keeping it was integrity. And you've seen it before. You see all these people in the world, maybe they're famous or not, they'll be given a lot of things. And before you know it, overnight, they give it away for nothing. And you wonder, why did that happen? Why did he blow up his life? Why did she throw all that away? Why did he just completely make a decision outside of their character? Well, it's because they didn't have it in the first place. They had talent. but they didn't have integrity. And integrity is the thing that allows you to keep what God gave you. So if that's the truth, I just want to close today. Just give you three quick blessings of integrity. This is found in Proverbs. It's another book of the Bible. Proverbs is a lot. They call it a wisdom book. And uh, 
has a lot to say about integrity. So I'm just going to give you three of them, if that's okay. Number one is this, blessing of integrity. The first one is wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. I've noticed a lot of people really are like in search of this. You know, you think knowledge and wisdom are the same thing. They're really not. Knowledge is the ability for you to gather information, but wisdom is this ability to actually gather information from others. <laughs> Somebody told me the other day, I said, experience is the greatest teacher. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. That sounds really good. You know what I'm saying? But if, like, you're older in here and you've been around the block a while, y'all know this ain't, that ain't true. It's way better to get experience from someone else who's been through it and just listen to what happened with them and then just do that. That's the best teacher. Because what you'll find is that you can actually gain knowledge from others and people who have been there, and you can be actually mentored by some of the greatest people in the world if you learn how to read a book. So people are like, I don't read. Well, you should. I don't like it. Okay, listen to it. Put it on your tablet. Have it transcribed for you. Have someone read it to you. I don't care. Like, the ability for us to gather wisdom from someone else is incredibly important in our world. And integrity is actually a key to that. I'll show it to you. Integrity is funny. In Proverbs chapter 2, it says, he stores up sound wisdom for those with what? Yeah, with integrity. Integrity can actually provide you wisdom. Wisdom simply meaning this, the sum of learning through the ages. Like your ability to learn over a long period of time. And if you're young in here, you can still do that by listening to those who've been there. You can't do that if you don't have any integrity. Uh, I was with my son Titus the other day, and I walked out, and um, he, he was cutting a bagel. I've taught my kids how to cut bagels before. And if you've ever seen a child cut a bagel with a big, giant knife, it's the scariest thing in the world. And he's holding the bagel like this, and he has the knife. This is the knife. My microphone's the knife. And he, he doesn't have, like, the good knife in our house, you know? Y'all have, like, a good knife, right? And then you have, like, the kid knives that you don't care about anymore because they've used them to, you know, attack the walls and things. And uh, just my house. Okay, so, um, and so he's trying to cut this thing, and I run out, and I'm like, no! I could just see the emergency room moment right there, you know? I'm like, I don't want to go to the doctor today. And, uh, and I walked out, and I said, son, I've told you a thousand times. How many of y'all had that statement start with your kids? I told you a thousand times, don't cut the bagel like that. And kind of went back over. Here's how you cut a bagel. Here's how you do it. I said, I showed you the right way, the way that you know. Because dad already told you how to do it. You know. You chose not to do it that way, which led you to potentially being hurt instead of having your bagel and being blessed. You didn't have the integrity, the knowledge, come on, that got, you could have had wisdom from dad. Instead, you wanted to learn through experience by cutting your hand off. <laughs> integrity gives you this thing called wisdom, and God gives us so many things on how to live in this world. And I'm just telling you, integrity is that moment where you know what God's telling you to do and you lining up and doing it. And inside of that knowledge, there's, there's this thing called wisdom because Jesus has been there because he knows how to do things. And he's, he, he taught, he, he, he created you. 
So you living with integrity and everything he's given you and everything he's asked you to, you don't have to figure it out. You don't, you don't, you don't have to figure out parenting for you parents in here. You don't have to figure it out. God already figured it out. Live a life of integrity. Do what he told you to do with your kids and wisdom will follow with that. Wisdom just comes with that. Oh, okay, I'm just going to do what God, because there's wisdom in what God says. Train my child. Man, be good disciplinarians of our kids. Man, learn how to bless them and don't, you know, push them to wrath. Dads, like, stop making them angry for the sake of, stop telling them they're going to be thrown to the circus. You know, like, come on, help them out, right? Because why? Because there's wisdom found in living a life of integrity following Christ. So if you say you're a Christian, do what you said you were going to do. Be who you said you're going to be. And inside of that, there's all this wisdom that's found in the integrity of Christ. Do you see how that works? Because he's been there. You don't have to figure out how to do um, marriage with Christ. Just do what he said. You don't have to figure out how to, you know, be, be in your careers. Just do what God said. Work is unto God. You don't have to figure out how to deal with your body. Like, you know, you, like you treat your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry about how to, like, treat your body. With, you don't have to figure out things about your sexuality. No, that God tells you about your sexuality. Like, you, you don't have to figure that stuff out. That's already been figured out. He created you. Right? Like, just, just live with integrity. Be who he said you were supposed to be. Wisdom. It's found in all that. Number two, security. Security. There's something incredibly safe about being an, an integrous person. Um, Robert says this. Is, uh, he walks, he who walks with integrity walks securely. I've noticed that integrity can actually protect you from the danger of compromise. And so the world will tell you compromise. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I know you said this, but just do that. And anytime I've ever done that, it always led me to pain. It always hurt me somehow. It always put me in a position of danger because integrity always provides you protection. There's a, the, a famous, maybe one of the most famous stories of just a lack of integrity and compromise is the Space Shuttle Challenger in 1986 that was that exploded. And all that came from, you can go back and look at all the data now. There's documentarians about it. Like, it's literally, you could see it. But it all came down to the fact that their booster seals and the engineers knew they knew that they probably wouldn't hold up in that weather. They told people who were in charge, and it all came down to, came down to the integrity of somebody making a decision based on money. They knew what was right. They did what was wrong, and danger followed. And when you and I live with integrity, what it says is, I'm going to choose to do what's right regardless of the, of the cost. I'm going to be the same person in the dark as I am in the light. Because it matters what I say publicly and how I live privately. It matters. It, it matters. So I know for some of us in here, this is like, uh, nobody really likes these types of messages because what you do is you start to think, where am I missing it here? And you should be introspective about it because it, if God happened to bless you with anything good, I'm begging you on behalf of your future self, you better live with integrity so you can keep it. So that you don't get hurt. Because compromise leads to danger. Integrity leads to, to safety. Last one is this. So it, it gives you ultimately security. 
because because those who walk with integrity, they walk securely. It gives you wisdom, but then it also gives you legacy. Um, the righteous man, I love this, Proverbs 27, verse 7, it says, the righteous man walks with integrity, w- walks in his integrity, and his, his children are blessed after him. I love that. That he leaves a legacy. I've noticed how men and women of integrity, they leave a pathway of blessing for their kids. Because they did things right. But I've also, unfortunately, sat on the front row as a pastor too many times to see people not live with integrity, not do what they know is right, and it not just hurt them, it hurts their family, especially their kids. It was what compromises what brought hurt, not just them. It's why we always, like, Satan would love to tell you your sin only is a personal thing. This is only about me. Have you noticed that sin tends to hurt more than just you? It's like a community offender. So, like, you know, you think, you think if I cheat financially in some way, I'm just going to jail at the worst. But then you don't realize, what are your kids going to do without you? What does your wife do without you? What does your husband do? You see what I'm saying? It's never a, a, it's never a like, personal decision when it comes to sin or, or compromise or integrity. It always affects people who live without integrity always affect not just them. It always affects those that are around us. And if you're concerned about legacy in your kids, which you should be because the Bible says for us to do that, you should be really concerned about your integrity. Life is not a marathon. That's not real. It's a relay race. It's designed for you to Take what you do. You run your race hard. You run your leg hard. You do well with what God gave you. And then you turn around to the, the people that are coming up behind you. And if you don't have kids in here, that does, that, you're not absolved from this. That just means you got spiritual kids to develop. That's why we have spiritual families. So you're in here and you don't have no kids. And maybe you're an empty nester. Or maybe you, you didn't have any physical kids. Or maybe that wasn't a part of your plan. That's fine. While you're in here, you should be looking around. Who can I help raise up? And who can I pass the baton that's been given to me on to? Because it's a relay race like you and I. And the only way you can do that is integrity. The only way you can do that is if you, you ran your race well. You did it within the boundaries. I was watching the Olympics, you know, I think it was this last year. And you will see in these relay races, they'll start... But if you didn't do it in the right way, you broke the rules, it disqualified not just you, your whole team. And you saw teams, they misstarted or they didn't have the right transition or they didn't, they fell out of the thing. They walked out or they fell. It, it's not a personal thing in your integrity. It affects the whole team. And you can't hand off a baton to someone when you ain't in the race anymore. And so integrity is the thing that allows you to leave a legacy and have generational truth. We, 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 we're talking about this story because of integrity, period. Because they did what was right. They did what was right. I always say this, and I'll close with this thought. Um. Back to the idea of talent 
and blessing. You know what a really bad prayer is? Can I just tell you, like, they're like, is there any bad prayers? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I just try to be real with y'all. Like, anybody ever say, like, there's no such thing as a bad question? I'm like, that's not true. There's some dumb <laughs> questions out there, right? <laughs> so some of y'all, you're like, leaders, you know what I'm talking about. So, like, um, there's some bad prayers. I think one of, the, one of the unhealthiest prayers you could pray to God is, God, give me the desires of my heart. It's the most unhealthy prayer. And we all take it from David. We misuse and misunderstand and misconstrue scripture to make it fit what we desire in our moment. So unhealthy. Because um, the last time I checked, my Bible told me my heart is wicked and deceitful. Who can trust it? That's why you don't. That's why the Bible says test the spirits. That's why the Bible says consult counsel. That's why you are not your greatest friend. A lot of the time. I've noticed. You ever had a bad decision? You ever, anybody ever make a bad decision today? Anybody make a bad decision? I've noticed that when I made that bad decision, I thought it was the greatest decision yes. ever. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. I'm like, no, I heard from God. I'll show you a scripture. It's right. Then I tell some of my friends and they're like, what were you thinking? That's the dumbest thing. I'll tell my pastor. They'd be like, really? That was what you did? Don't ever say that again. Never bring that up. You need to have somebody in your life to tell you that was dumb, right? Like, <laughs> Bob, because we, we pray the desires of our heart, and our heart is evil and wicked, and I want me to be me and want me. Never pray that prayer. Always pray. Always pray. God, God, give me the integrity. This is better. Better. This is better. God, give me the integrity to handle the blessings you've given me. Before you give me anything else, <laughs> enlarge my integrity and my character. Before you hand me anything. I've always said that about this church. It's always said, like, Lord, don't send no more people here. I've never asked God to give us people, ever. I'm kind of afraid of that prayer. Well, I've always prayed. I said, Lord, you, you work this first. Yeah, you give me character. You give me integrity. You make me the man that I need to be so that I can handle every person you send into this building. And then when you enlarge my character, then what I've noticed is when my character grows, and then people come. Because God goes, oh, yeah, I can bless that guy. Because why would he send any of his children to a place that wouldn't honor them? So why would God bless you in any other way if you didn't have an integrity or character? To it, only, it doesn't just hurt you, right? And we've all heard that. We've all seen the people that made a mistake or had a lack of integrity. And it hurt a lot of people. So my, my, my prayer for you today is that you would take integrity seriously. As, as much as you're working on your talent, as much as you're working on your, you know, your ability to do things right, man, you ask God to get up in there. God, who am I? Who am I really? Who am I really? Like when I'm, re like when nobody's around and I'm in the darkness of my room and you are the only person who can see me, who am I really? Work on that person. Then I'll be able to handle all the things that come. Maybe I'll get to walk with Jesus like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the midst of the thing that was trying to kill me.